podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Aston Villa fans, good morning. Whatever time you're watching this, whatever time I put this out, uh, good day to you, I suppose, is probably the best thing to say. And I am I'm actually quite happy to come to you guys tonight. I'm happy to come to you all every night, but m- kind of more happy to come to you tonight because every so often when you follow a football team, um, a player gets linked to them. And it's just like a player that you've had kind of a fondness to or that you've... You know, whenever you've seen them, you've gone, oh, they do some things really, really nice. And you never really think that they're ever going to be linked to your club because, you know, you're watching them in the Champions League. And with Aston Villa, we haven't been in the Champions League or potentially haven't had that really kind of that that uh, that draw for players that might be in the Champions League. And then next thing, all of a sudden, out of the blue, they get they get linked to you and you go, oh, my God, I really want this to be true. And this is one of them today. And I I spoke about it on Twitter, but um. I'm going to butcher his name, and I really do apologize. Tom Colomossi? Tom Colomoss? Um, from the Mail Online, I do apologize if, if I've butchered your name. Um, has linked Aston Villa today with Juventus as Uruguayan international midfielder Rodrigo Bentancourt. And uh, also, this has been backed up and reported by Rob Dorset of Sky Sports uh, today, mentioning that potentially it could be a £16 million fee. Um, for uh, Rodrigo Bentancourt. Now, I don't know whether this signing is going to happen, but it's just one that I've, you know, that, that I, I kind of got excited about today because he's somebody that I mentioned in a throwaway comment um, last week, the week before, maybe the week before that, uh, with regards to what I was discussing, when we were discussing Yves Basuma, um, and I tr- mentioned him in a throwaway comment that if we could get him for less money than we pay for Basuma, yeah, I'd get him in, or maybe someone like Nicholas Dominguez from, um, from, from uh, Bologna. Uh, as well, w- one of the two, and I was there. This that would be fantastic. And next thing, lo and behold, he's reported. And I'm not saying I'm Mystic Neil or anything like that. As I say, a blind squirrel finds a nut every so often. But he's somebody that I've been keeping an eye on. And uh, to give a small a bit of an overview of him, he's somebody that's really hit the ground running um, at a very young age. He started his career with Boca Juniors. Um, winning the league with Boca Juniors as a 17-year-old and being being entrusted to play for a Boca Juniors team. And he, he, he played for them. Um, he played for them uh, 10 times. Or played 90 minutes, should I say, 10 times. I'm going to go with 90 minutes piece here for him. Played 90 minutes for them 10 times as a 17-year-old when they won the league in, uh, in 2007 and 2015. Then 2016, then, uh, Boca Juniors had a regression in form. They finished 10th in the league, which is very, very alien for a team like that. He only played seven times. He only played 90 minutes seven times. Then he comes back in more triumphant form as a 19-year-old to win the league, win the Premier Division, with uh, Boca Juniors in Argentina, um, as I say, as a 19-year-old, plays 20 games, and then he gets his big move to Europe, and he gets his move to to Serie A in the form of Juventus. Now, most times when players they get their move to Europe from at such a young age from South America, it takes some time to acclimatize in. He played six games in Juventus' Serie A, winning um, winning year of uh, of 2017 2018. 
then he really makes his mark in 2018-19, playing 22, playing 90 minutes 22 times. Then 19-20, he wins the league again. So his first three years with Juventus, he's won the league each time as a 20, 21 and 22-year-old. With the last time in, in 2019 and 20, he played, played uh, 90 minutes 24 times. And then Juventus kind of hit a slump last year, and that slump has continued into this year, where they only finished fourth last year and fifth this year. And that has kind of led, and we will see this when we look at the statistical piece, that has led to kind of discussions and deliberations and debates and arguments between, between Juventus fans, between Juventus fan boards, between Juventus podcasts, between Juventus managers even, um, as to where is his best position and is he all he's cracked up to be? And for me, I think that's really, really unfair. And I think it's unfair from a lot of positions because... The old lady of Turin or the Juventus, uh, as as they are known, I think they've had it quite quite good for a long period of time. You know, they have really dominated Italy, Italian football for quite a period of time, and nobody was really asking any questions about Rodrigo Bentancur um, when they were winning games, they were winning tournaments, they were winning leagues, and as soon as they started to falter. The flack came to a 23, 24-year-old uh, kid. And a lot of that comes from the fact that he's been moved from pillar to post, from central midfield to defensive midfield, from defensive midfield to central midfield, and no real stability of play. Bare, bare, and, 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 you know, even from year to year, system to system, manager to manager. Because bear in mind that Juventus have had three different managers, albeit four different systems over the last four years. Started off with Allegri in 1819. 1920 was Maurizio Sarri. 2021 was Perlo, and Allegri comes back in then for this year. So there's been a lot of turmoil, change, and yes, there were winning titles, um, you know, in some of those years, but there's been lack of stability, lack of coherence. And what, what do we know for young players is you need that, that, that stability. You need to grow within a system. And somebody like Bentancur has been, because he's able to do everything pretty well, he's been moved from pillar to post. Point in case, 2019, he plays 33 games as a, as a traditional eight central midfielder, only 10 games as a defensive midfielder. Fast forward to 2020, last year, where people said maybe maybe he had his worst year as, as a Juventus player at 23 years of age, bear in mind, and he played 27 games as a defensive midfielder and 23 games as, as a central midfielder. Now, you know, that kind of chopping and changing and instability and uncertainty and where he's actually going to play for such a young player can have a detrimental effect. And I feel like I'm making excuses for him already, but you will see that what he's been asked to do year on year on year on year a moment in a moment in a statistical analysis. But first of all, let's look at what he's been good at over the last 365 days. And when you kind of hear what I've been saying here and the fact that Juventus fans have been I won't even say critical of him because I think the reason that they've been critical of him so much so recently is the fact that he did drop a big clangor in a big game, the Champions League last 16 game against uh, Porto. He basically passed the ball to a Porto player who stuck it in the back of the net and it led to Juventus being on the back foot. Juventus lost by away goals eventually after the second leg, although his clanger was dropped in the first leg. But a lot of Juventus fans didn't really forgive him for that. But the team were disjointed at that period of time playing under Andrea Perlo anyway. So a lot of the flack fell, fell on um, certain scapegoats within the team, one of which happened to be Rodrigo Bentancur. 
Um, I'm not going to pred- I'm not going to stand here and say that I've watched him as much as a Juventus a Juventus fan. I obviously haven't. I'm not a Serie A aficionado from the point of view that I will watch. Maybe I might watch one game one game a weekend. You know, I'll flick between the games sometimes the weekend because sometimes they can be on a bit earlier or a bit later. You know, on TV, so they're a nice a nice uh, league to watch. But what I do have is I do have access to some streaming sites uh, that will that have chopped up. Um, games and, and 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 scouting footage of, of of certain players and um I do have access to those and I have watched him on those and and you know his individual play to me I think will fit the Premier League um and some of the statistical pieces that we will look I think will be able to fit into the Premier League as well because he's very much an endeavor based player and he's able to pick a pass as well and I'm very 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 slow to say this and I know this might bite me in the bum again but you could liken him to a Jorginho type Jorginho type player but obviously without the penalties but anyway let's look at some of the let's look at some of the statistics that we have for him and this might be a bit of a longer one because I wanted to I want to compare him to not just compare him to Douglas Louise who's in our team at the moment I also want to compare him to himself because a lot of the debate that you're going to hear about somebody like Rodrigo Bentancur if we do sign him there will be a lot of noise out of Turin that oh has he been all he's been cracked up to be has he regressed but I think there's a lot of context that sometimes can be lost based on the numbers and based on just the limited piece that I've seen um, of him. So let's take a little look. So as I say, he's Uruguayan. He's six foot and one half of an inch. Right-footed player. His age is 24. Um, he won't be 25 until June. He's played quite a lot of games. Now, they are his appearances even as a substitute. You can see there. But the... Um, the the minutes are correct, you know, so he's played quite a lot of minutes. As I say, he started his career in 2015 as a 17-year-old for Boca Juniors, and he's played quite a lot of time since then. Um, looking at his statistics, and you'll see why I kind of mentioned that he fought, he's fallen between two stools, and it's why he's kind of created debate and why the fans can't can't understand maybe why doesn't he play in x position over y position and you know it's kind of fallen into you're in two, you're in one of two clans that he can't play defensive midfielder oh he has to play a central midfielder or vice versa and we can see there that his interceptions have him up in the top nine percent of all midfielders um in the last 365 days within uh, europe's top five leagues his tackles bring him within the top 19 percent so as you know, as far as interceptions and tackles go, that's they're really, really strong numbers. Probably gets dribbled past more from more than I would like, but then again, the Italian game is very much about getting the ball down and playing it, and not trying to play as many long, long, long balls as possible. And we can see that with the aerial jewel success. His aerial jewels are lower, but then again, you would expect his jewel success to be higher. But uh, you know, he isn't somebody who's going to throw himself guts and glory into the, into winning the ball in the air. But saying that, the midfielders we have at the moment don't really do that anyway. There are a small a bit smaller than uh, than Rodrigo Bentancourt. Looking at his pressure rate there as well, 22.42 pressures per game is phenomenal. Something that Steven Gerrard would absolutely love. <coughs> Apologies. 86 uh, in the 86 percentile, which puts him in the top 14 percent of all midfielders in the top five leagues in Europe. Of those pressures, though, his pressure success rate is under 30%, and that's something that he will need to up. While he does pressure quite an awful lot, the success rate that he has from that from those pressures is very middle of the road. Um, once again, as I say, we, we will take a look at where those pressures happen within the field, and uh, that might give a better view as to where he might be utilized for this, uh, this Steven Gerrard 
um, team and system. Uh, looking at the fouls committed, I think is important because if we are going to play him in a defensive midfielder position, he comes in middle of the road as well. Average Joe, 1.73 fouls per game. Now, looking at his passing statistics, we see a lot of high numbers there and high percentile numbers, should I say. And that would you know, lead you to think, this guy should be playing in central midfield. And I think a lot of these these numbers can be skewed slightly because he has played so much in central midfield, but also playing as a defensive midfielder, he has been that pivot player for uh, for for Juventus too. We will see that in a future slide that we will see in a moment when we look into more advanced passing statistics for him with regards to where he plays within plays them within the field and so on. But um, so he's had sixty two point six six passing at pass attempts per ninety minutes. That puts him in the top twenty one percent of of defend of uh, midfielders. On those, the complete of those, he completes uh, fifty four point eight four, which gives him an eighty seven point five percent completion rate, putting him in the top twenty percent of of uh, uh, midfielders in the top five leagues in Europe. Progressive passing and progressive pass distance, I think is always important to look at so that we're not looking at somebody who's just that crab type player who plays two or three yard passes and doesn't like to pass the ball forward. He does play five progressive passes per game and a progressive pass is a pass over 10 yards that goes on target. And uh, he passes for up to 243 um, yards per game as well, which puts him in the top 32% of all um, of all midfielders. One real good point that stands out and leads me to believe that, you know, he's pretty much made for that pivot position for the Premier League is look at the amount of passes he makes under pressure. In the last 365 days, he's in the top 8% of midfielders for making passes under pressure, which comes in at just shy of 11 per game. So he's not faced by being closed down. He's not, he's able to play a ball, and he is a ball-playing play, ball playing midfielder, and he would be a ball-playing defensive midfielder if I got my hands on him and put him into Stephen Gerrard's, uh, Gerrard's system. Um, the shot-creating actions is something here that... You know, this is the one that's probably the most skewed metric that we can see here. And I'm not saying that defensive midfielders can't be can't have shot creating actions because they absolutely can. But this is why I think that I think a lot of a lot of the Juventus fans will look at what he can do and he can slide a pass and he can play forward and he can get down the side of the defenders and cross a ball in. He can do all that. And he has shown he can do that. And he's shown he can do that in some systems. But it might, for me, I don't think it's his best position. But some fans can have seen him do it and they think that maybe he should be doing it more. And I think that's why falling between two stools for him over the last three to four seasons has really affected the perception of him and maybe what, what fans and sometimes even managers want from him. Because Allegri, when he managed him the first time, has used him completely differently to how he's managed him this time, yet he gave out about how Maurizio Sarri managed him in 2019-2020, but now he's using him in a defensive midfielder position now, even though he's given... It, it, it's it's really... It, like it's He's been a hot topic of discussion uh, in Juventus, uh, in and around Juventus circles. And I really think that a lot of it is that he hasn't been given time to settle in a position because he's able to do both positions relatively well. Um, when you look at his dribble and his dribble success rate over the last over the last 365 days, he doesn't dribble an awful lot, but when he does dribble it, he's average at it as well. So his carrying of the ball isn't... I'm not going to say it's not the best, but it's... look. You'll see in my points of note there that he maybe he's been asked to do a lot at a young age. And, and when you look back at his Boca Junior days, you know, he came in there at 17 years of age and was asked to do 
a lot in a team that was winning winning a, a, a Premier Division. When he came to, to Europe, he's been asked to do a lot, changing systems, changing managers. As my first point of note says there, four systems in four seasons. Allegri has come back in, not playing exactly the same system as he did before. I say that he's here, here he's versatile, but his versatility and the fact he can do a lot has been a big hindrance to him. And, you know, chatter for a young player is something that they don't really want. And instability is something that they don't need. This versatility has, has come about by the instability that the club has seen with changing managers. And the fact that now they're, I'm not going to say they're in a mini panic, but the fact that they've been so dominant for so long and then finishing fourth and currently being fifth in the in the, in the in Serie A at the moment, you know, they need to give him time to focus in a certain area and not consistently be discussing where his best position is. You know, make the decision and play him there. And for me, it's that defensive midfielder or regista role, I think is what they call it. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and that's where my last piece here comes in for him on the, on the points to note. He needs to specialize. He needs to be given a position that he can specialize in and play in, and he needs that stability. Two, three, four years playing in that one position, he's, when he comes into his prime, he's going to need to know where his best position is, and versatility is fine, but you might lose you might lose a talent in Rodrigo Bentancourt if you don't do not pick a position for him, or at least get him to pick a position and just stick to it, because he does do an awful lot of things really, really well. So let's look and see how he plays in comparison to some of the players that we have. So as we can see here, here's how he he uh, he compares to Douglas Louise. Now, I will preface this once again. A lot of times I do this, it looks like I'm kind of painting out our players as being bad. Please do not take that as, the, as why I'm doing this. I know a lot of our players, the reason why I do this and I get excited about certain players is I think that our players, I think that we can improve in certain areas on these players. Douglas Louise is not a bad player. Bentoncourt is a better player than Douglas Lewis. And that's all that this is highlighting here. But what I think here is it goes against Douglas Lewis is the fact that he has been playing a defensive midfield position more over the last 365 days than Bentoncourt. And I'm not quite sure that Douglas Lewis should be a defensive midfielder. So the very thing that I've been just criticizing, Juventus, Juventus fan base, over <laughs> Rodrigo Bentancourt, I am now going to do the exact same thing about Douglas Luiz. And as we see Douglas Luiz play a small bit more forward in the limited time that he's done it, you know, he has played games pretty well. But it is certainly, and I'm not saying that he goes out of the team, but to have a different player who can do a small bit more at a higher level is very, very beneficial for us. And as we can see here, you look at interceptions, you look at tackles, you look at pressures, you look at pressure success rate, you look at aerial success jewels, you look at fouls committed, he's committed less of them. You look at all the passing statistics, he it comes out on top there. And you look at the dribbles, Douglas Luiz dribbles a small bit more. Um, but my, my big point here is that if we are looking to improve the squad, we need to improve in certain areas. I don't think Douglas Luiz over time has been proven to be an absolute... 100% 6, I think Bentoncourt in the Premier League can be a 6. If he bring those, brings those numbers from Serie A into Steven Gerrard's squad and plays with those numbers in that 6 position, well, my God is all I will say. My God. You know, and that's why I think that he can, he can stack up to being a Jorginho-type player without the penalties because 
he just he he does things. He gets around the field and he just gets in the way very very well. And when he gets the ball, he's able to play nice passes, play progressive passes as well. And he doesn't tend to fluff his lines that often. Albeit he did a massive clanger in the last sixteen um, of the Champions League last season. But look, it could happen to Bishop, as the saying goes. Um. So let's take a little look here as well. I wanted to look at some advanced defensive statistics for him. So it's all been a good saying that he wins tackles in X area or Y area, but I wanted to see how he compares to Douglas Louise. Or sorry, it's all been a good to say that he wins tackles and interceptions and pressures, but I wanted to see how he stacks up to Douglas Louise in certain areas of the field. And this will probably show you why Bentoncourt has, you know, why he's been utilized all around the field. And, and for my money, I can't understand why Juventus and Juventus fans are giving out about him an awful lot. Because when we look at it here, if you look at the tackles that he makes, he makes the same amount of tackles, exactly the same amount of tackles per 90 as Douglas Louise, coming in in the top uh, 38% of, uh, of, of midfielders in Europe. When he makes tackles in that midfield third, that third where we need to stop attacks a bit more as an Aston Villa football team, he comes in the top 14%. Douglas Louise doesn't. He comes in in the top 55%. You know, so it's 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 quite different, and, and that's a quite big, quite a different statistic. And when Benton Core does go forward, he even still makes tackles up there as well. So he can tackle relatively anywhere in the field. Where you put him, he's a good tackler. He's a good pressure of the ball. Once again, when you look at it here, over the last 365 days, he's been asked to play in lots of different positions, uh, you know, six and eight. And when we look at it here, and that's why I think he can fit into the Stephen Gerrard system because he would be played more as a six and he would be given more of a, more of freedom to tackle and pressure a small bit more. But yes, Douglas Louise has pressured an awful pressured a bit more, not an awful lot more in the defensive third. But then when you look at pressuring in the midfield third and the attacking third, he just gets around the field that small bit more. I completely understand that could be systemic and it could be could be based on the roles they're told to play within their team, but it's still really encouraging for somebody like Bentoncourt. Really encouraging, and for what the Premier League needs, and for what type of player fits into the Premier League. When we look at the passing statistics, it's just it's no, it's no competition. Once again, I completely understand he's been played in both positions, but he can still make those passes when he's played in those positions. So I'm saying that if we can take those passing statistics, marry them to the defensive statistics that we can see here, and play him as a six in Steven Gerrard's in Steven Gerrard's system, statistically and based on the very bit small piece I've seen on him, I think that he will be just gravy in there. But look, who am I, and what do I know? Um, I just and that's why I'm so excited about him. And I wanted to just try and take a look here as well, because when we look at him, you know, as I say, that it has been a conversation based with him over the last four years. He's been in different systems, 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21, and 21, 22. Allegri, Sarri, Pirlo, Allegri, you know, different manager, different system, different pressure, different whatever, with Ronaldo, without Ronaldo, whatever you want to call it. You know, big players have left Juventus. Big players have come in and played in, into Juventus. It's been an ever-evolving team coming from a team that won the won the, the won Serie A I don't know how many times in, in, in the last 10 years. But what we can see here is that this current year, like we can see Allegri played him in 1819. In that season in 1819, he started, he played uh, 90 minutes 22 times. 
he is and and some of his statistics were the worst of his were the worst of his career when you look at them in in, in this bracket and in this formatting he was it, it was it was in that year in 1819 and then in 1920 when when people thought he played his absolute best last year he caught flack when he was playing under Pirlo and you can see that he's passing the passing statistics his progressive passing and the amount of touches the amount of work he was being given to do going back to my my point that he was given maybe too much work too early he was given a lot of work to do um under Sari and under uh under Pirlo and that's when fans started saying oh, I don't know is he all he's cracked up to be in 21-22, we're looking where things have come, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot more interceptions, he's middle of the road in tackles, he's dribbled, he's been dribbled past almost, like, almost at the same rate as he had in previous years, and so on. Yes, his pressures have been down, but what he looks to be doing is specialising slightly, not as much as I would like, but you can see there that he's got a lot of middle of the road statistics, and, and, and even at that, Juventus fans aren't particularly happy with him this year either, but I still think that his 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 fit is for the Premier League, and I think that he, at 24 years of age, this guy has this guy has a lot to offer within the Premier League, and it just goes to show. I think here, looking at 18, 19, 19, 20, 2021, 2022, when the chips were down, he was asked to do an awful lot in 2021. Did he? Did, his team didn't didn't kick on and win the league again like they did in the previous years. He became a scapegoat. He did drop that clangor in the, in the Champions League. I'm not running away from any of these things. And then it's just carried on into this season. Also, it doesn't really help that Allegri had, in 1920, had criticised Sarri for playing him in exposition and then said if he was ever to come back and play him again. And he criticised Pirlo as well in 2021. Uh Maybe it might have been 2021 when he criticised him, but he said, I won't play him in that position. And he has tended to kind of play him kind of in that position since he's got in there, in that defensive position. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what, uh, I suppose, what kind of um, politics, I suppose, are going on with him within the club. But it does look like, um, you know, for 16 million, I would be definitely having a crack off him uh, because his statistics, what I've seen from him, and his outlay and output over the last four years have been very impressive when you uh, when you think about the workload he's been given at such a young age. I, I As I say, I think all in all, he becomes that kind of deep-lying playmaker that the, the, the teams need within the Premier League. Um, he, he grew, like he's 24 now, he... He's he's kind of grown every year, although he's 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 grown into his workload, should I say? Although I'm not sure that he he, he that he's best served having all that workload of uh, of touches. And when you bring him into this team, he probably won't. Yes, he'll be that pivot player, but you know we have Coutinho to progress the ball forward. We have um, Buendia to progress the ball forward. John McGinn will be in the team. Ramsey will be in the team. And if you specialize him at what he's been really good at, take that ball from the center halves, distribute it well, distribute it forward well, hold your position, and use your, your, use your dogged interception ability and your dogged tackling and your pressuring ability then to really make the most out of yourself, free up the rest of the team. That, to me, is, is a really, really exciting prospect. So that's really it. That's 27 minutes on Rodrigo Bentancur. I don't know whether he will sign. I don't know whether I've gone over the top and will be absolutely completely wrong about this player. But he's somebody that I never thought Aston Villa would have would be within an ass's roar of signing. 
And for me, I think it's exciting. I think it shows what the club is at this moment in time on the 22nd of January 2022. And uh, I think that it is uh, it is a sign of the times. And if we were to p- pull off a signing like this, I think that we would see the best of him in the Premier League uh, with a bit of stability. And um, he would be somebody that I think would be would be would be a nice fit for what he does as well. We have also been linked with other players. I will be doing some uh, some more of these on those other players. As I say, whether we sign him or not, I don't know. But let's look out for this. Let's keep an eye on this transfer. And if we do sign him, we will be back to discuss it some more with some other people that may know a small bit more about him. So on that, guys, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much to everybody for watching and for listening. If you guys can give it a thumbs up, I would really, really appreciate it. Helps the algorithm to kick this forward really helps the podcast and helps the channel here too appreciate everything you guys do here's to a great transfer window last couple of days of the 2022 uh, winter transfer window here for aston villa football club steven Gerrard is going to get his men where he's going to going to identify his men whether he gets them or not should i say is another thing but here's hoping and here's hoping to a very good end to the transfer window see you soon as soon as there's some news and all that's left to say is up the villa Podcast Network.